Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, produced by Boogie Cousins, Building 28 Church podcast, where we confront (laughs) the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with conviction, compassion, and courage. I'm your host, Peter Tragos, and with me as always is Adam Powers. Thanks for being here. Hey, it's good to be here with you, Peter. Always in spirit. Always in spirit. And uh, in case you're wondering today, folks, where this exquisite camera work is coming from, you've seen him in front of the camera many times. Boogie Cousins, our own pastor of education students, is sitting behind the camera today. We really couldn't do it without him. You know, I think that's just a fact. We couldn't. Our our, our life revolves around him. So anyway, that was probably the last little bit of fun we're going to have today. But not the last little bit of a hope. Hopefully. No, no, we will have hope yes. in this podcast. And so if you're tuning in with us and um, you saw the, the title, I want to set it up for you guys. And then I'll introduce our guests that are going to be on the podcast. The issue we're discussing today is a heavy one. It deals with um, suicide. For decades, tragically, suicide has been on the rise. This has always been an issue since the fall. I mean, you go back historically, it's always, especially, especially crazily enough in very lucrative, advanced societies, you know, when we come to like first world issues. And so suicide's been on the rise, though. Recently, we've heard a lot about it. Social media has obviously put on more so on our radar. Fallen souls in a broken world coupled at times with mental illness delivers to many a devastating hopelessness and a desire for escape. And the world of isolation created by the pandemic has only accelerated this problem. Hmm. With self-harm and suicidal thoughts in abundance both around the church and inside the church, the question that must be carefully, biblically answered is, can a true follower of Jesus commit suicide? Because we've lost friends, we've lost loved ones to suicide, we wonder about their eternal destiny. Um, Also in conjunction with that, we're going to discuss, Man, if you're if you're watching this today and you have someone in your life who is contemplating suicide, or you yourself, or you yourself, how do you counsel yourself? What do you need? How do you counsel and instruct, pray for, disciple uh, others, um, permit them to lean into you? So anyway, those are all the things we're going to be discussing today. And to help us in this pursuit, we have one of my bestie friends. She works with me here. She is a great resource. She's been teaching the ladies. In our church for the last several weeks, I'm hearing rave reviews, but our director of communications and our lady educator herself, Miss Maggie Seibert. Come on, Deshaun. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) That was so fake. Faker. Fake friends. And then uh, no stranger to the podcast, even though it feels a little bit like a stranger. It's been a minute since we recorded one of these, Um, but... Adam's superpowers, pastor of Sunrise Literally Community a Church. A minute, yeah. <laughs> Sunrise <laughs> Community Church up in Newport Ritchie. And he is back with us today, and we're excited for that. And it's a doozy. It's a heavy one. But uh, it's once again, like so many of these episodes, it, are, it is questions that we get frequently. I just sat down with a lady last week, and she watches Out of Oz every single week. And uh, she had questions about predestination, which I know we've already covered in a previous episode. And uh, she had questions about the infants who die, which we did last season. 
But then it, it, it cycled around to this question because she has a loved one who committed suicide and she wants to know the answer to this. And so hmm. questions being asked and hopefully we can provide some credible answers today. So historically speaking, what, what has been the church's position on this, Adam? You, you're talking pre-Reformation or post-Reformation? You just go back in history as far as you want. So the Roman Catholic Church has historically, let's just start there, has said that those who commit suicide go to hell. Though if you talk about them and press them, they might say purgatory and things like this. And what really the issue is for them is that those who commit suicide not only go to hell, but they're not given a Catholic burial. So they're buried outside in like the common people grave, um, outside the church grounds. But when Vatican II happened, the Roman Catholic Church softened on their language. They stopped talking about suicide as a sin that deserves condemnation but they still have not changed to date that those who commit suicide are not given a Catholic funeral. That's still an issue for them. In the Protestant world, since the Reformation to today, we have been eager to say that there's only one sin that sends somebody to hell that's not believing in Jesus. And so suicide is not a Which sin. is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. I think right, rightly yeah. interpreted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the, the unforgivable. Sin. Yeah, yeah, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not cursing the Holy Spirit, which you shouldn't do that. That's wrong. But it's it is refusing the work of the Holy Spirit and yeah. trusting Jesus, yeah. which is the only thing you can't come back from because right. that's the only way into heaven. Um, so yeah, just to tag on what what Adam's saying there, suicide was rampant in the first century yeah. prior to Christianity. I mean, rampant. Once again, Rome is a first world country. There's a lot of envy. There's a lot of elitism. All that stuff. A lot of wealth. Yeah, a lot. All that stuff. You look historically, all that stuff leads toward more depression, more anxiety, more fear, just like it's doing here. Like we're one of the most fear-riddled, anxiety-laden, depressed, saturated cultures of all time. And yet we have more at our disposal than ever before. And I get it. And I want to be very sensitive when this mental illness factors into this. And that's something we have to address and talk through and be sensitive toward. But um, in the first century, because suicide was so rampant, Christianity was very countercultural to this because they didn't have a worldview that would say that suicide's wrong. Just like a lot of people today don't have, even though they might not like suicide, they might not have a, if you don't have some type of Christian worldview to say this is right and this is wrong. And so Christianity kind of emerged on the scene through the apostles. And there was a strong denouncement historically from Christians in the first and second century, which greatly diminished suicides, according to historians um, in the culture. Christianity, proper Christianity has always had a colossal impact on the culture. Well, we have Evidence of one in Acts 16, the Philippian jailer almost, almost committed suicide, suicide. and yep. Paul stopped him. Yep. Yeah. And do yourself no harm. Yeah. Like we are all here. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's important to mention. Uh, Augustine wrote uh, an incredible book in the fifth century, The City of God. Mm. And in The City of God, he actually draws a biblical uh, distinction for why suicide is wrong in the commandment, thou shalt not kill. He says, that it does not say thou shalt not kill your neighbor as some of the other commandments say, but it actually says thou shalt not kill, which would apply to your neighbor and it would apply to yourself. Like mm -hmm. you should do yourself no harm. That is the biblical precedent for why suicide is wrong, morally objectionable. And then from there you move into which hardly anything good came out of the dark ages after Rome fell in 476, hardly anything good came out of the dark ages. And so that's when the church really started to take up the stance of there's these venial sins and there's these mortal sins, mortal sins you go to hell for, you can't be. And really it came down to, which is a, a um, in my opinion, a, a very barbarized view of doctrinal matters, but that you can't repent from committing suicide. And because you can't repent, 
then you go to hell. However, biblically understood, grace-based from scripture, we will all die with unrepented sin. Mm-hmm. Like we just will we'll forget something that we should have repented of or, um, and thank God that the graciousness of Christ covers all sin, repented of and unrepented of. And that has been more so the Protestant view for the last 500 years, mm-hmm. I think. Okay, so Maggie, why do you think it's such a big issue today, right? So we've talked about it in the past and coming through history, how it's been a big issue and what kind of the stances have been for the church. Why do you think it's such a big issue today? I was looking up statistics and even from 2019, it was the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. So I can't imagine what it would be post 2020. Mm. So like Aaron said earlier, definitely mental health disorder because any kind of, you know, there's so many, but that can give you this hopelessness that you can't think you can live from. But also I feel like people that don't have mental health disorder and they're just really stressed or something really bad happened to them. They don't know how to cope with it. Financial, whatever that also leads to it too. So just like everything that we're going through right now. And I can't imagine how the pandemic has just increased that desire to just like not be here anymore. According to centers for disease control, I was looking yesterday between 2007 and 2018. Mm -hmm. So well before COVID. Um, suicide increased nearly 60%. Yeah. So it is it is rampantly on the rise. Of course, there's been all types of research put out since COVID with all the isolation, depression, everything that's going on, mental health disorders. Uh, it's continued to rise um, at an alarming rate, even for non-believers. Like, yeah. It's just an alarming rate. And while, and I keep saying this because I do want to be very sensitive, while mental health does factor into this, at the same time, there's so much envy there's so much loneliness in our culture today. Hopelessness. Um, hopelessness. There's nowhere to – like I, I was listening to uh, John Mark Comer who wrote The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He's a pastor out in Oregon. He was on a, a podcast last week or week before. And uh, somebody asked him, why, why, is this, why is this rise for – I think it was related to suicide. And, uh, and he brilliantly responded, when you feed people for two generations that there is no God, yeah. there is no right and wrong, there is no purpose – you're just a makeup of matter. You're just a collection of cells and there's no hope. What else would you expect people to do? Yeah. Like, like th- there's no point to live anymore. Like there's no point to go on, especially when you're hit with something that's heavy or overwhelming. You lose someone who's close to you. You even lose a, a pet, an animal. You lose a job, like whatever it might be. And like, there's just this overwhelming, where do we turn in those moments? And I, I personally think that's just one of, the, the biggest issues is that we have all been, even as Christians, indoctrinated with education system, social media, media resources, our culture for all our whole lives so that we even fight as Christians a, a, a true belief that there's hope in the world. Like we, we, we want to believe that. We say that. Yeah. But like living that out is, is problematic. Go ahead. I also just want to add like a nuance to it from working with teenagers like – they are fed that it's like kind of trendy. Yeah. I was going to say it's like never been cooler to be depressed and yeah. have suicidal thoughts. Oh, you don't have anxiety? Yeah. You're weird. Or yeah. you have never thought about suicide? You're weird. And they use like the Bible app to like coerce each other towards like feeling suicidal ideations. Yeah. It's it's really weird. And that's, why I, I, that's what I was kind of thinking why yeah. it's so prevalent now is because 
all the confusion and finding yourself and mm-hmm. your purpose and picking a side, picking a lane, going against your parents or with your parents or against your friends or whatever has never been more prevalent than now. Or, um, or like in order to be truly authentic, you yeah. have to have this great deal of inner turmoil that yeah. you are working through, which Correct. is not the case at all. So we've heard what the church historically has thought about it, Adam. Hmm. What's the Bible say? Um, someone commits suicide. Are they going to hell? And a secondary question, and Aaron kind of already answered this, but is suicide a sin? Like the act of suicide, is that a sin? And the bigger question is, can you still go to heaven after committing that sin of suicide? Yes to both. Okay, and explain. Yes to both. Yes to suicide is a sin. It is it is the epitome of selfishness. It is ridding the world of your own self. It is thou shall not kill turned against yourself. You taking matters into your own hands, taking them out of God's and ending your life. I understand that that the majority of people who who do this are trapped mentally inside themselves. And the the desire for escape is one of the prime motivators. Maybe we can come around to that. I think that desire is a really, really good desire, by the way, just perhaps what we act on it. Yeah. I think it's a really good desire and all of us feel that to a certain extent. And so we got to come back to talk about Sam and Frodo at some time because it's so poignant to that. But while suicide is a sin, it is clear. I think, yes, those who commit suicide as believers do go to heaven because the only sin that keeps you from heaven is rejecting the gospel and saying no to Jesus. So what about the fact that we talked about how not having, not putting your faith in Christ and believing in Christ to save you and, but you are a Christian and you commit suicide. Does that not show evidence of lack of faith in Christ? I think it does, but yeah. our whole lives, the life of grace is, is, <laughs> Doesn't a, con- every other sin? is a constant <laughs> battle. Every sin, I mean, it was, it was Augustine or Luther who probably both of them who were talking about every sin is a rejection of Christ's sufficiency. Like every sin is like every time and suicide is, is while it is different in the sense it's so final and so heavy. Every, every sin that we commit in this life, when I gossip about somebody, when I blow up in anger, um, when I have a lust in my heart, every one of those is I'm telling my heart that Christ is not enough, that, Christ, mm-hmm. that, that Jesus is not enough for that. His word is not sufficient, um, even though it is. But I'm telling myself that, and suicide is no different. It's, it's a moment of weakness, or maybe it's even premeditated for a long period of time. But it's somebody, maybe once again, not clearly, not everyone who commits suicide is a Christian. Um, we know that. But um, Judas commits suicide in Scripture, not a believer. But you have, it seems like there's good evidence, you might disagree, that Samson is a believer, is a follower, at least at the end um, of Yahweh. Saul, there's a lot of debate on if Saul was an actual believer or not. There's there's passages where it says God gave him a new heart. And um, and there's also... No. no. Yeah, 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 yeah. No I mean, to Saul. Re- re- yes re- to Samson. Regardless, the, there, there are clearly in Scripture unbelievers who yeah, commit suicide. Sure. And they, there's no hope for them. Um, but it's not the suicide that damns them. Right. It's the rejection of Christ That's that it. damns them. Yep. Yeah. And and there are also, I think pretty clearly, believers in Scripture who commit suicide, and they're ushered into heaven. It's a sin still. It is tragic. They've cut themselves off, humanly speaking, from the world and the impact they could have had on the world, the impact they are having. Anybody who's thinking about 
suicide, contemplating that, you are having, especially as you strive for to walk in faithfulness to Christ, you are having an impact in the world. And that is tragic um, that that impact would be cut off, cut short. And you, men- you mentioned the idea of escape, mm. right, and getting away. And uh, you love Tolkien and Lewis. I love Lewis and Tolkien. But Lewis has that famous quote, I think it's from Mere Christianity. I've used it in my sermons many times that if I feel a longing in my heart that nothing in this earth can satisfy, the most reasonable explanation is that I was made for another world. And so there really is something that can quench that desire. These fantasy writers, we talked about this in the Harry Potter podcast, but these fantasy writers and us who love fantasy reading, we are seeking a proper medium for escape from the heaviness of this life so that we can then come back and re-engage effectively with this life. And so I do, I do validate what you're I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, that there is a longing put within us as image bearers of God. This is yeah. not what we were ultimately created for. We were created right. for more than this. Yeah. But while we're here, we focus on the more, like we yeah. we retreat to that through scripture primarily, and then we engage with, with the brokenness of this world. Because that means that part of our ministry to one another, and especially our ministry to our friends, to ourselves, if we're contemplating suicide or if we know people who are is reminding one another that our hope's not in this world, but it is getting nearer day by day. Yeah. The night is dark. But, but I am not, not forsaken. Per se. <laughs> well, I was thinking dawn is coming. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're thinking of the we song. We sing City oh, Lights a lot here. So. Oh, yeah, we, we do too. So, yeah, amen. Wonderful so song. But so Sam and Frodo, <laughs> when they're in Osgiliath, this nerd, nerd level deep cut here. They're in Osgiliath. It's near like, zone out. near like the return <laughs> of the <laughs> king. Here, Frodo. Is despairing, and good old Sam, the true hero of the story, reminds him that there's hope in this world and it's worth fighting for. And the hope of this world is that this world will one day be made new when everything that is sad will be made untrue. And that's what we got to remind each other. And that hope is centered in the return of our Savior, Jesus. Absolutely. What about the person that says, based on what all you guys are talking about now, what about the person that says, I want to commit suicide to get to heaven? Still a sin? Yes, for sure. What would you say to them? Misguided sin. That's a that's a very muddled. Um, I think it just shows lack of faith. Description, again. right? Like that's not right. how it works. Which, which, which is a not the same thing, I think, as suicide for despair. But they're feeling right. this, and they they really want what's to come, and the way to get what's to come is by trusting in Jesus, not by taking matters into your own hands. Have you heard people say that, Max? Have you had anybody say I've that? I've thought that. Okay, get me out of mm. here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it feels like Paul thought that, felt that at sometimes. Like, me out of this if God takes me, body. that's awesome. Yeah. To I'm die here, is, yeah, it's game. Game. But, if, but if I'm here by the sovereign plan of God, to Christ, Christ, to live as Christ, yeah. or he, he says, um, and I can't remember the reference right now, but but if I'm here, it's for your sake. Yeah, it's for the sake of others. So it's not for my sake, which is that I'm not here. selfish. It's not self-centered, yeah. and that's yeah. even though suicide doesn't damn you, it is any sin is self-centered. It's self-gratification, yeah. it. and so if we're here. If, if God has you here in this life, you might be a, a teenager listening to this. You might be a parent. You might be amid something and you're going, there's no reason I'm here. That is a lie mm-hmm. that, that we're, it doesn't matter what your mind or your soul is telling you. That's a lie. God has you here for a reason, for a purpose in this life. And um, hey, look, I, I just apologize to Peter. I really do. But since we're talking Samwise Gamgee. And and we're talking do it. C.S. Lewis. Do it. I think it's in book six of Harry Potter, mm. where where Dumbledore says, 
light can be found in any darkness, something to the effect of if you only know how to turn the light on. If you only, and it's this idea of, of the darkness has become so oppressive. It's so thick. It's so heavy. But light can be found, like if you know where to find the light. And the once again, the analogy for us is we know where to find the light. Like, you know, I understand people watching, people listening might be shrouded in darkness right now. There might be a thick and oppressive heaviness in their soul. It might feel completely hopeless. But truly, we're not, we're not saying it haphazardly. Truly, we know in this word where to find the light. Like where, and that doesn't mean it's all going to be bright days ahead and sunshiny skies, but it means that that all of us dealing with this heavy and broken world know where to find light. Mags, you look like you have something to say over there. It just reminded me of Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. That doesn't mean I'm going to peace out and go to that glory right now. Yeah. And like the Bible talks so much about like rejoicing in your trials and everything like that. So it's like the Bible gives sufficient reason to stay here, even though it's hard. And since God is the author of life, like, why do I think I'm like more powerful than God that I should like make up the plan, even though he's like mm. sovereign over everything. But yeah. it's like, how can I assert myself, like try to, or think I am, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. So how does the church deal with this? How does it deal with the fine line of mental illness and suicide, people that have suicidal thoughts? What is the church's role first off? And then how, how should the church deal with it? So Madge, you've admittedly struggled through this. What has helped you? What has served you? Looking back, because I don't, I'm not in that right now. I'm not in a depressed, like anxious, hopeless feeling, but I've been there. I was there in 2020. And I just think like people need to ask hard questions, if that makes sense, especially within the church, because you can know like you have a friend who's really down or like really hopeless and they struggle a lot and you kind of wonder about stuff. But I think asking hard questions like, have you ever thought about like self-harm or something like that? Hmm. Because you never know where they're at. So asking hard questions shows them like, hey, I see you and I'm watching like, you know, no, no, I, I actually, that's some of the stuff I read this week, just from yeah. psychologist of asking, have you thought through a way of taking your own life? Like, yeah. have you, have you planned this? Why are you thinking about taking your own life and not trying to like necessarily fix everything like right away? Uh, I was going to say like seeing your, seeing your path, cause you're one of those people I've walked with closely for the last several years yeah. along that path of anxiety and depression and even thoughts of self-harm mm. um, at times, just seeing like the way, like even when we sit and discuss the way that truth settles on your soul, when we acknowledge the true reality that, that sin has broken the world and not just broken us physically and not just broken nature, it's broken us mentally at yeah. times. It, we can't handle like we should, like we were designed initially to handle things. But also seeing you realize like your identity and worth in Christ, mm. like when we talk to Ephesians together and that you don't have to do something to be worthy. Yeah. You are worthy in Jesus. And even if you're outside of Jesus, you're, you ha- you bear worth and value as an image bearer of God. Like, mm-hmm. like as somebody created in God's image, you're not just a collection of cells and matter. Um, but you are, God has breathed life into you and created you for a purpose. Like things like that, I think knowing the truth, when I say the truth, obviously scripture, but mm-hmm. even truth outside of scripture, like, I mean, like mental health issues and the necessity of treatment for those at times. And, and, but then there are, there are people who are struggling with suicide that don't really have mental health, at mm-hmm. least not a 
you know, a diagnosed mental health issue or something that could be diagnosed. They're struggling with that. And I think knowing the truth, um, speaking the truth, speaking of worth, intrinsic worth and value of mm -hmm. biblical spiritual identity in Christ. Um, that's one of the things I think the church needs to do a better job. We're just so, we're such a cop out age because we're so busy. So it's just so easy to be like, Hey, buck up, like get it together. Like Jesus is king. Like, he, he's, he's on the throne. Like you're going to be good. Like God is sovereign. Like, you yeah. know, it's just so easy to, to regurgitate these things when someone is really struggling with mm. heaviness and weight instead of walking. And I understand we can't walk with everyone through everything they're doing. But yeah. the people that God has placed closely in our lives, when they struggle with this, I think it's important that we walk through with them. And that doesn't mean affirming bad behavior mm -hmm, uh, or sin. enabling that yeah. at all, but it also means empathizing with them. Being a good friend. Being a good friend. A uh, biblical good yeah, friend, not toxic right. positivity. Good so that's, friend. That's, that's, <laughs> that is definitely one of the things I would say is, uh, is yeah. knowing Sorry. the truth and speaking the truth. Can I add something yes, to that? Yes, please. Okay, so when you say well, everything that you just said, something that I think is really important for anyone feeling like this and something that has given so much rest to my soul yeah. is when you've told me, like, because of the fall, these, like, messed up, like, suicidal type thoughts or anything like that or, like, self-harm thoughts, that's a result of the fall. Like, you're not, like, crazy. You're not, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not because... To man. Yeah. yeah, like we all go through mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Our thoughts are broken. Our bodies are broken. Because and, and you of might not thoughts. go through. Somebody might not go through suicidal thoughts. No, but just they're anything dealing with in general. Thoughts. Yeah, like that, sin that are not natural. Like they're not the way that God. Well, they're natural now to us. Yeah, um, but it's sin. not the way that God has had wired us initially to be pre-fall. And so I think that's something just to honestly identify and and see is. I'm not saying that your sin is not your own fault. Clearly, and I, I know that's not what you're articulating. Either, yeah, yeah, but. A lot it's of times, a the, the thoughts that kind of flitter through our minds that we're like, why am I even thinking that? Like, why is that even here? Um, yes, could be our own unbelief, our own doubt, our struggle. That's that's on us. But mm -hmm. also is the result of living in a world that is chaotic and frenzied and broken because of transgression. Yeah. I think the, the big question, we cannot just kind of bypass it of how to deal with somebody. How, how can the church do a better job of dealing here? Knowing the truth and speaking the truth is important. But I also had on here showing them the love of Christ, like actually showing them, which is hard. It's so much easier just to speak about the love of Jesus than to actually demonstrate mm -hmm. the love of Jesus to somebody, the care and compassion Why? that Christ showed. Because showing the love of Jesus takes time. And it's costly. Yeah, it takes time and it, yeah. it costs a lot. Like it, and, and Americans, we, the one thing we don't have is time. Like we don't yeah. have the time to show the love of Jesus. And then I also think, and Maggie mentioned this on the anxiety episode, but I think not, not as a cop-out, not as a uh, in place of scripture and truth, but I think in conjunction with it, God has given us professionals, counselors, mm -hmm. medicine. I think encouraging someone, because there's so many people who I've encouraged, and I think Maggie is one of them. I'm like, hey, talk to somebody, a professional about this. Talk to your doctor, your physician about this. I just think that we're not physicians. We're not professionals in that way. And so we can give the truth of scripture and we should be giving the truth of scripture. Some of us are doctors, but not physicians. So I, <laughs> yes, I get where that, you're going with that. That's true. That's true. So those are some of the things I think that the church should do a better job in than we are. Because we're not only mentally, intellectually, spiritually fallen, we're physically fallen. And so the issue might just be our bodies. There or at might least be an imbalance. That might be part of it. Yeah, right. For sure. I, I think one of the biggest issues here is identity in Christ. You, you were talking earlier that it's 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 so trendy to have this like authentic turmoil and struggle 
and that we're we're not true selves unless we like really own this about us and we're like distraught and things. And I know there's a ha, have have been some folks at our our church who really have dealt with that, things like this. And at times, I find myself telling them and wanting to say to them like they seem so trapped with the mess of life that all they see themselves with and define themselves by is their various ailments and illnesses and mental issues that's going on. And I don't ever want to like skirt those under the rug, but when we define ourselves, like if the very first thing that you meet someone and within two minutes, you learn all the issues that they've got, probably this person defines themselves by those issues and therefore justifies all sorts of behavior based on them. And we should be very quick to say, no, we are in Christ. Yeah. Which is why Colossians 3, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Who's above? Where Christ is seated. And it just so happens that our life is hidden in him. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll also appear with him in glory. And so we got to remember that before everything and who we are, our identity in Christ is the root of the issue. And if that's there then I think we can start moving forward and working through some of these other issues. Yeah. But if that's not at the bottom, that's where we got to start. We don't define ourselves by what ails us. We define ourselves by Christ. I think that identity issue is just, I touched on it, but it's, it's so, it's so huge. And it's not once again, theology is seen as so abstract and unrelated to life. And it's just not like what we believe shapes everything about us. Theology is life. And what you're saying there is it's so true. Like we Instead of I am a child of God, like I am a son of the king, I am redeemed, Royal. I, you know, I'm, I'm set apart, like I'm, you know, instead of true, and, and, and you'll, yeah, you'll see those on like letter boards and like this stuff. And so it seems kind of trivial and trite, like these declarations of who we are in Christ. Mm. I'm loved by God. And yet what comes out of our mouth is our identity a lot of times, like you said, and yeah. it's. I am lonely. And I get that that's what you're feeling, but that's not your identity. Yeah. Your, feelings it, are not facts. Feelings are not your identity. <laughs> like that's, you, you feel them and they're heavy, but I just think um, the identity is so lost today, mm-hmm. and especially in a world now that's telling us that all these, you know, all this random stuff that's, that's swirling around society is our identity, like our, instead of that Christ is our identity and that's where we live and that's where we function. I know, I know once again, we have to take the theoretical and understand how practical and relevant it is. But it's just, it's it's huge. Well, when when we're when we're defining ourselves by what ails us, this is what happens. And not only this, it's like this. All we see is ourselves, and it's like we're caught in this navel gazing. And we look around. It's like, oh, there's other people. Hmm. I wonder. Like, so one one time we we had a young man struggle with this, and perfectly honest, I'll I'll admit it. I'm not the best pastoral counselor. I'm growing in these things, but I got a little frustrated with this individual, like just on and on and on bemoaning what was going on. And finally, I just looked at him. I said, you know, we, we've been talking here for like an hour and it, it wasn't a counseling session. It was just like hanging out. And I was like, how are you? And an hour later, it was just, oh my gosh, hold on. You haven't once asked about how my family's doing, how my kids are doing, how my marriage is doing. Not like it's all got to be about me, but get out of your own self here, man. And realize that we're doing life together. And that means you got to be invested in other people's lives too, not just other people invested in you. 
That's so true Mm. because like we see that Christ came not to be served, but to serve. Or it's like looking in a mirror all day. It's like me, 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 my depression, my anxiety. I want to die. And I'm not making fun of people because I've been that person. So then it's like, I forget about my friends. I'm not serving people the way that Christ has called me to. It's like, how can I just get through this day? And obviously with some people, it's like mental health and you got to go to counseling and yeah. work out yeah. all that out and stuff like that. But a lot of times, too, it's just selfishness. Like I'm trying to get through and that's tough love for me yeah. to me. And I don't know. That's all. Luther famously said oh, man. that sin is self turning in on self. Hmm. And I think that particularly applies with suicide. It, it, I mean, like it. It, does, it applies with yeah. anything, but it's it's the more we sin, the more we turn inward to gratify selfish desires. So we utilize sin as our tool to get what we want mm-hmm. in life. It's it turns in, it, cor- it continues yeah. to corrupt. And Do you ever see the Luther movie? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Remember that part about suicide in it? No, I don't think so. There, there was a a young boy, it was like nine or ten, that hung himself in the movie. And I think this is a true moment from Luther's life is when he first got to yeah. Wittenberg and he was just breaking upon these reformational thoughts and they refused to bury this young man in the mm-hmm. churchyard and he dug the grave in the churchyard for this young man and the whole priesthood and all the young monks were like throwing a fit that he was doing this and all the townsmen were confused and there was this big old scene and all of a sudden Luther just started preaching and he said... Is this man down because he took his own life? He said, I don't think so. I think this man is just as to blame as the person who's overcome by the robber in the woods. Hmm. That they're overcome in their own mind, yeah. just like we're overcome with all sorts of other things in life. And so couple uh, those thoughts together. Uh, and that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, th- yeah, I agree with that. And I love that. And I love where the Reformation, the good mm-hmm. the Reformation did in this, um, in returning to biblical principles. I just see like, brilliantly from Luther and it's biblical that, you know, sin promises us all these escapes and yet it ends up just collapsing in upon top, on top of us. Like it's self-inflict self-harm. And so um, that's heavy. I think that was a great segue though into what hope do we give to someone who has a friend or a family member who has committed suicide? Madge, you want to kick it off? Um, this has been a comfort to me. John 6, verse 37. It says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And I don't mean, tell me if I'm taking this out of context, but if someone that you love is a Christian, true believer, or yourself, true believer, and you commit suicide, that you're not strong enough to overpower the hand of God and like the things that he has. So if you're a true believer, you're not plucking yourself out of his mm-hmm. hand by committing yeah. suicide. The ones that he keeps, he keeps forever. It's such an assurance. It's such a source of rest. I mean, there's this, this beautiful imagery of the shepherd and the sheep there in John 10 that Jesus uses and that, you know, and he uses a lot of very specific language for believers. That's the text where he says, you don't, you don't believe um, because you're not my sheep. You're talking to the Pharisees, the religious, the lost, but then he uses a lot of the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep in the place of the sheep. You know, that that particular atonement imagery there that Christ died mm-hmm. for us so that we can never be lost as people mm-hmm. will never be lost. And so there's, there's just a lot of beauty in that, um, yeah. that, you know, for the mom or dad who's struggling because 
they have a child who committed suicide and we grieve with them. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the world. That's, yeah. you know, sin is devastated, brings devastation um, for the brother or sister who's lamenting that, for the child who's lamenting a parent who mm. committed suicide, the friend who's lamenting a friend who committed suicide. I understand that that grief and that lamentation is going to be there. But at the same time, if they were really known by Christ, mm. um, if they really trusted in Christ, then they're held by Christ in that one sin, as catastrophic as it was of suicide and unbelief and self-centeredness, that one sin will not separate them from the love of God. When Paul writes in Romans 8, that great dissertation there in verses 31 through 39 of what can separate us from the love of God, tribulation, distress, nakedness, turmoil, death. sore death, like no, we in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved Amen. us. That that I think needs to be heard for the person who's really struggling with that. And and really it should be generally applied to anybody who's lost anyone, even not of suicide, is we look at is there hope in life to come, but particularly for the person who has someone close to them who's committed suicide. Yeah. You got anything to add super? But I am not forsaken. <laughs> but dawn is side. coming. Dawn <laughs> that's is the coming. real yes. lyric, right? Yeah. No, I mean that. That's it. Dawn, dawn will come one day, and everything that is sad will be made untrue. That doesn't dismiss that it's really dark right now. Really dark. And that in this world we will have trouble. John sixteen thirty three. But I have overcome the world, and so if we look to Christ the one who has overcome the world, he promises that even in this dark world, in him we can have peace even though we have trouble in the world. Yeah. And so there is a great hope for what's coming. I think there's this remarkable picture. I mean, and I hadn't planned on it. Just kind of flood as you're reading that and as we're talking through this, of the person who truly is in Jesus and commits suicide. Like the person who truly believes and that and they do believe to some extent that grace is powerful truth that is working, that Christ is the lover of our souls. And yet in that moment, that's not enough for them practically. Mm. But instantly, and this should not, to Pete's earlier point, this should not drive anyone to commit suicide because God has you here for a reason. And that is a sin before the Lord. But instantly in that moment of death, they find in Jesus everything they've ever wanted that their soul desperately long for that even yeah. drove them right. to commit suicide. They find in him in that moment. And so for the parent, the person, the child, whoever it is, who's grieving the loss of that person, there is a rest. If they were truly in Jesus, Yeah, there is a rest in knowing that their soul is eternally soothed now. Like they're, 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 they're there with Christ. I mean, we've lost a lot of pastors mm -hmm. over the last few years to suicide. A lot of, you know, Pete actually texted me, I think, a couple months ago, somebody, a famous pastor commits suicide. And he's like, basically like, don't ever do this. Like, don't, you know, like, like, don't, like if you're ever struggling with this, talk to, talk to somebody, like talk yeah. to somebody, you know, and, and by God's grace, I haven't ever struggled with that thought, like, like going down that route. Matt, Matt he's reminding me, I've struggled with other thoughts that are not pleasing to the Lord when it comes to dealing with my anxiety or my stress, but self-harm has never been one of them. I think that's just a really reassuring. We, we've had people in our family, immediate family, I'm not well, not immediate like brothers and sisters um, or children, but let's call extended. We, we, extended. So sorry, sorry, but we have had people. When I say immediate, like people that we know that we're close to who have committed suicide, yeah. and the idea mm. of hey, if they did this outside of Christ, there's not hope there. But if they knew Jesus, like if they truly knew and loved Jesus, and were known and loved by Jesus, even through their struggles, even through their mental unrest, even through their anxiety and depression, 
you know, like when I heard, like one of my favorite actors of all time, so brilliant, was Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just loved Robin Williams. I thought he was brilliant. And uh, I remember we came back from a mission trip. I think it was 2014 from Cape Verde, landed in Boston. And the first thing I saw on the newsstand there in Logan Airport was that Robin Williams had committed suicide. And um, I was kind of devastated by that. And then truth, you know, the details of his life began to come out. And he was, I think, struggling with with early onset Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and different stuff. And, and I get all that. And that's a, for a different discussion of what if somebody has a terminal illness or, or whatever, um, you know, what then? Once again, separate discussion. But For then sure. it came out, there was a pastor in San Francisco that talked through, wrote something about how Robin Williams, and this is no assurance to us at all, but that Robin Williams months before, maybe a couple years before his death, had started attending frequently the church, had then placed faith in Christ, had begun to take communion at this PCA church there in San Francisco. And whether or not he truly became a believer or not, that did stoke within me some hope that Robin Williams, through all of clearly mental anguish and duress that he was under mental unhealth and in dealing with these diagnoses, that if Robin Williams did trust in Christ, that when he stepped from this life by way of suicide, which was wrong, that he stepped into the arms of Christ and found there everything that Rest. he had been trying to find through comedy and through entertainment his whole life. And just, I just think that that's Something that for me, at least, that's very powerful, like that speaks to this issue. I think that's all we have time for today. Hopefully, you're encouraged. If you're thinking about this, definitely go to the word, definitely go to church. Definitely, like, don't isolate and cut yourself off from other people. Find community, find the truth, get help. Like, know that you are loved by God, know that you're here for a purpose. Max, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having Always me. love having you, even if it's kind of last minute. It's okay. Superpowers, awesome having you. Pete, I feel like we just kind of ran away from you. Thanks for so dealing with us. Okay, yeah. <laughs> here. That's fine. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about the show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.